If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4, and I'll begin reading in verse 6. And if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt do a, be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast obtained. But refuse profane and old wise fables, exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for godly or for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable in, unto all things, having a promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. We have been looking at songs in our songbook over the last few weeks. And I'm talking about a song tonight that's not in our songbook. It'd be nice to be able to say, turn the page so-and-so in your songbook and sing that song, but it's not in our songbook, and I don't know why that is. I would imagine it has something to do with copyrights or something. I know it was copyrighted in 1934, and it was written by George Johnson. And it is a good song. And sometimes as I've been looking at our, the songs that I've been doing, I go back into some of the old songbooks and look and see if any of the words have been changed, because sometimes that happens. That words get changed, and sometimes we know a song in one way, but it's been changed in another. And so the song that we're looking at tonight is not in our songbook, but I have parts of it on the, or I have all the verses on the screen. We're not going to sing it, or I'm not going to lead it. Let's put it that way. And so it's something that we need to talk about. But the first verse of the song is up on the screen, and it says, "Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me, all of His wonderful passion and purity. May His Spirit divine all my being refine." Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. I thought it did cross my mind that perhaps the name of the song was a little too long for the songbook because most of them say, let the beauty of Jesus be seen. And we know that the real song says, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. And many people associate beauty with something that's appealing, that's pretty, that's feminine, and indeed need of protection. But the beauty of Jesus has nothing to do with being frilly or fragile or anything of that nature. When it talks about the beauty of Jesus, it simply means being like Jesus and walking in His ways. Why that song is not in every songbook, I don't know why, but it should be. Because we need to be reminded every day that we are Christians. If, we're, if we've been baptized into Christ, we are a part of the body of Christ. We are Christians. And so there should be something different about our lives. We shouldn't continue living like the world. Because we are unique. In fact, Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, "...but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should walk or show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light." 
So that verse tells us that there's something different about a Christian. We're unique. We're a peculiar people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. That doesn't mean that we elevate ourselves above other, above other people. What that simply means is that we're special because we have been saved by the blood of Christ. We have been cleansed from our sins and we have that hope of eternal life. If you're not a Christian, you don't have that hope. But we can see from different passages of Scripture that God expects us that when we obey the Gospel, that that means that it's not just a one-moment thing, that it is a rest-of-our-lifetime thing. That we are changing our life not only that day, but from that, that day forward, we're striving to live to serve our Lord. You see, our goal as a Christian, is to be like Jesus. That's our goal. Not like some preacher or teacher or elder. Our goal is to be like Jesus. Don't compare yourself to anyone here on this earth. Compare your life to Jesus Christ. Look at His life and see if your life lines up with Him. Because guess what? We can always find someone that may not be living as good as they should, living a Christian life as good as they should, and look at them and say, well, I'm better than they are. Every single one of us, every preacher, every elder, every deacon, every teacher, when we compare our lives to Christ, we see that there's things that we can improve. And the truth is, all of us can look at that and see that there's things that we can do to better ourselves. And so we want to let the beauty of Jesus be seen in us because Christ is our example as the Bible teaches. And I think that that's what the question is trying to encourage. What you know, we I hear that question. What would Jesus do? And I think that that's kind of what the song is trying to get us to think about. What would Jesus do? But I think there's a better question. A better question is, what did Jesus do? We can't. We don't know what he would do. We know what he did do in this life. And I think that we can look at our life and we can compare the circumstances and situations that we deal with and we can learn something from Christ and the example that He left us here on this earth. And so maybe the best question that we should ask is, what did Jesus do? We want to follow in His footsteps. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21-25, through it says, "...for even unto..." or hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow His steps." So Peter is saying, Christ is our example. We need to be following in His steps. I don't know how well that looks, but that's supposed to be footprints there. And so we're to follow in Jesus' footsteps. And he goes on in verse 22 and says, concerning Christ, who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth, who when He was reviled, reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judgeth righteously." who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd, the bishop of your soul. Jesus is our example. Jesus wants you and I to be saved. Jesus wants us to represent Him as Christians here on this earth. We are ambassadors for Christ. And yet we see the life that Jesus lived. He had no sin. When people mocked Him, when people made fun of Him, people said things that hurt, He didn't strike back. He didn't strive to get even. He just went on being the example that He should be, letting the light of God shine through His life. Just like we're supposed to let that light shine through our lives. In 1 John chapter 2, and verse 6, He that saith he abide in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walketh. In our lesson sheets that I've been passing or sending out, we're talking about 
Are we walking the walk? It's talk cheap. And many times we say what we're supposed to do, but we go and do something else. And one of the things I'm pointing out is, does God expect us to change when we obey the Gospel? Does He expect us to keep on doing the same things that we did in the past? Or does He expect us to change? He expects us to change. Because that verse plainly says that we are to walk as He walked. So we need to live our life the way He lived His life. That doesn't mean we can't own a house. I know He had no place to lay His head. But what that means is we react to the things that He reacted to in the same manner. When we're persecuted, we do the same thing that He did. When people say things about us, we do the same things that He did. When we see an opportunity to help, to do good, to visit, we do the same thing that He did. Jesus lived without sin, as 1 John chapter 3 and verse 5 tells us. And while we cannot obtain, achieve a sinlessness, we ought to be striving to stay out of sin. It's not something that we look into. It's not something that we plan. But it's not something that we live in every day of our lives. And so when we do sin, it should be the occasional miss as opposed to that's our lifestyle or the way we want to live. We're without sin in the sense that the blood of Christ has washed us clean. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Paul asks those questions, but he's making a point there. That we become a Christian, our life has changed. We need to let the beauty of Jesus be seen in our lives because the life that we live is not our own anymore. We belong to Him. We are His servants. The teachings that we see from the Holy Spirit that was sent by Jesus molds us and refines us as it tells us in John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send Him unto you, and when He comes, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Comforter was to come and guide the disciples, the apostles. Guide them in all truths. Bring to their remembrance the things that Jesus taught them. We see that on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 that that Spirit descended on them like flaming fires. And we see that on their heads. And we know that they spoke in tongues. And when they spoke in tongues, it wasn't some jibber-jabber. It was languages that people could understand. That people needed to hear so that they could hear the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, Peter and the rest of the apostles on that day told people what they needed to do in order to be saved. When they cried out, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And that's what they were told to do. And they were being guided by that Spirit. And that Spirit guides us today through the written Word that we have, which we call the Bible. In Galatians chapter 5, and verse 22-25, through 25, it tells us there the result of that Spirit living in us, that result of the Spirit guiding us. Because it tells us there, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We are again encouraged to walk that talk, to live that life, to be the example that God wants us to be in this world. Jesus made it very simple. You are the light of the world. 
And then he talks about the light sitting on a hill. We're, we're to be an example. We don't hide our Christianity. We don't put it under a bushel. We put it out there for people to see. And it's a guide, it guides them to Christ. It's not that we're being boastful. We're not saying, look at me, I'm so good. We're simply saying, this is the change in my life. And people see that there's something different about us. And so how we live is how we teach others. Jesus cleans us up and beautifies us. And we in turn adorn Christ's teaching in the example or in our example that we live every day to attract others to follow Christ. That's really our goal in this life. That should be every Christian's goal is to attract people and draw them to Christ. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Are you living up to that responsibility? If people look at your life, do they see the beauty of Jesus in your life? If not, then make some changes. I encourage you to do that. The second verse of that song says, When your burden is heavy and hard to bear, when your neighbor refuses all your load to share, when you're feeling so blue, don't know just what to do, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in you. When we talk about examples, we aren't focusing on the good times. It is easy for people in the world to be nice to people when everything is going right. It's easy for the world to be happy when things are good. As a Christian, that should not be the way we conduct our lives. We should be happy when things are good, but we also need to be the example when things aren't going so good for us. When we're being persecuted, when we're being tried, when we're going through difficulties in life, we need to understand that that's an opportunity for us to let the beauty of Jesus be seen in us. What makes you stand out as a Christian? It's how you handle the hard times. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19-20. through 20. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. You know, sometimes we have it all backwards. We look at ourselves as Christians. We're striving to do what's right. We want, to, we want everybody to know that you know, we're, we're happy in Christ. But when things happen, sometimes we say, how could God allow that to happen to me? Why does this have to happen to me? And really the question is, why not have it happen to me? Why not have an opportunity that when I'm going through a struggle that people can see the beauty of Christ in me? Well, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? But that's what the Bible says. It's easy to do good when someone's being good to you. It's easy to help someone when you know that they're going to help you in return. But when someone's mistreating you, it's hard sometimes to return good or evil. And the Bible tells us that when we return good for evil, it's like heaping coals of fire on their head. You think about that. If you've ever tried that, if you've ever done it, you know that that's true. And many times someone does something to you that hurt, their, their thought is you're going to strike back. And when you, if you strike back, what happens? It usually escalates into something else. But when they strike out at you and do something that's hurtful or harmful, says something that tears you down, and you turn return something good, you say something good, you do something good for them, 
it's devastating to them because they're not expecting that. It throws them off. And it doesn't usually escalate into something else. I'm sure there's somebody out there that if you return good for, for the evil that they've done to you, that yeah, it probably would escalate into something else. But think about Christ and all the good that He did. And yet He still died on the cross. They crucified Him. So how do you treat others when they don't treat you well? I want you to listen to what it says in Luke chapter 6. Chapter 30, or verse 32 through 36. And if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is the kind, for he is kind unto the thank, unthankful and to the evil. But ye therefore, but be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Jesus is plainly telling us, even for worldly people, it's easy for the worldly people to be good to the worldly people that are good to them. And I'm afraid sometimes as Christians we get that wrong too. That we want to only help our people. And when we have an opportunity to help somebody other than our group, we get offended or we get upset. Isn't what Jesus is saying that we should step out and expect nothing in return? Help those that we can help? Do good to those that we can do good? What did Paul say? Do good unto all men? Or was that Peter that said that? Do good unto all men, especially those in the household of faith. That was Paul that said that. Get that right there in a minute. When we have an opportunity to do good, we need to seize that opportunity. Don't expect anything in return. Have you ever done that? Help somebody and they and you're sitting there thinking, I need some help now. Where is old brother so and so? Or where is sister so and so? Jesus is saying. Don't expect anything in return. Don't be like the world. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in you. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We ought to help each other with their burdens. But how we behave when no one helps us may be something else. And so think about your life. Think about what example you're leaving for someone else. You see, you may not get an opportunity to show them in the Scripture what Christ has done in your life, but you can show them by your example what Christ has done in your life. The next verse of the psalm says, When somebody has been so unkind to you, some word spoken that pierces you through and through, think how he was beguiled, spat upon and reviled. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in you. Here we move from people ignoring you and not helping you to people who are actively making your life miserable. There are people out there that do not like Christians. And Jesus doesn't say return evil to them. He tells us that we're even supposed to be different when we're dealing with our enemies. 
with the people that are opposed to Christianity, with people that are opposed to the life that you're living. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, Jesus says, But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the good and on the evil, or on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. But if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Again, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, people out in the world, they have their standard and they're good to people that are good to them. Jesus is saying, you notch it up a higher level. You be good to those that aren't good to you. You be good to those that mistreat you. Let the light of Christ live in your life. Here again, Christ gives us an example to follow in 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Jesus gives us an example that we can follow in His footsteps. He was nailed to a cross. And at, the, and at that cross, what did He say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus still had the right attitude. He showed us the right attitude that we should have. He had been beaten. He had had a, a crown of thorns crushed down on His head. And then He was nailed to a cross to die for you and me, but He never said a word that was bad against those people. That's the example that we have. Listen to what David said in Psalm chapter 35, verses 11-16. through 16. False witnesses rise up. They laid to my charge things that I knew not. They rewarded me evil for good, but the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into my own bosom. I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. But in my, but in my adversity they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. Yea, the abjects gathered themselves together against me, and I knew it not. They did tear me and cease not. With hypocritical mockers and feasts, they gnashed upon me with their teeth. David said, when I was in trouble, they were happy. When they were in trouble, I mourned. I was upset. Look at how David reacted to Saul who tried to kill him. He wouldn't harm God's anointed. He showed respect for the position. May not have showed that, or may not have had the respect for what Saul was doing that was wrong, but he realized who Saul was. And when he had an opportunity to take his life, he didn't take his life. He spared his life. And so not only do we read his words, we see examples where he did right. And that's what God expects us to do. And when there are people that are evil out there that want to destroy us, we are to return good to them. <clears throat> the expectation is to do good because it is the right thing to do. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 15, "...see that none render evil for evil unto any man, 
but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Do not render evil for evil to any man. So don't return evil when someone displays evil in your, to you. The next verse says, for the dawn of the, or from the dawn of the morning to the close of day, in example, in deeds, and in all you say, <clears throat> lay your gifts at His feet, ever strive to keep sweet. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in you. Brethren, we are supposed to be different from the world. Ephesians 4, verse 31 through 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's the attitude that we should have. We look at Jesus, he forgave us. He washed away our sins by his blood when we obeyed the gospel by being baptized into Christ. Did we deserve that freedom? Did we deserve that privilege of having our sins washed away? No. But He did it. Because we were willing to comply to the conditions that He put forth in His Word that we have to comply with in order to have that forgiveness. And when we comply, He washes away that sin. And it's remembered against us no more. The Bible says it's removed. Our iniquity is removed as far as the east is from the west. And if you can tell me how far that is, I'd like to know. God wipes it out. And then in return, they ask us. God asks us. Christ asks us. The Spirit asks us to forgive others as Christ has forgiven you and God has forgiven you. That's not too great of a request. But sometimes we make it hard. You say, well, that person said something that really hurt. That person did something that really hurt. What do you think happened to Jesus? What do you think happened to Peter? What do you think happened to Paul and others that stood up for Christ? It wasn't easy for them either, but they did it. So we need to follow in the footsteps of Christ. We were once like the world, so let's show the world the way out. As I mentioned this morning, one of the things that makes us great in the kingdom of heaven is remembering our past. Not remembering it because we want to go back and do those things that we formerly did. Not because we, we are desirous of that, but we remember our past <clears throat> because it helps us to see what we did to get out of that and we can help someone else be guided out of that situation that they may be in. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, Paul says, "...put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, <clears throat> to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawler but gentle, showing all meekness to all men. For we ourselves were also sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another." But after that, <clears throat> but after that, the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Think about what he's saying there. This, this is some of the things that we used to do. How many of us are ashamed of the life that we may have lived? How many of us are guilty of some of those things that were mentioned in those verses? But yet we've been washed by the blood of Christ. How precious is that blood? It's the only thing that can wash away our sins. It's not enough money to buy it. can't be popular enough. I can't do enough works to earn it. It's through the grace of God that we are saved. And through our obedience and having faith to listen to what He says and then doing those things. And He expects us to walk and maintain good works. Your life has to change. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in your life. You see, a person that is baptized, not knowing that they need to change, hasn't been fully taught. They don't, they're not obeying the Gospel if they don't know they need to change. Because part of God's plan of salvation involves repentance. Turning away from sin is what Peter said on the day of Pentecost in that first Gospel sermon that we hear. When they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. What for? For the remission of sin. That's what people need to hear today. That's what people need to do today in order to have that forgiveness of sin. And it isn't enough to bring someone to the waters of salvation until they are convinced that they need to change. Because on that same occasion, Acts chapter 2, after Peter told the people what they needed to do to, to, to repent and be baptized, his teaching didn't stop there. Because it goes on in verse 40 and it says, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So he continued to teach. And if you listen to the great commission that Jesus gives, he tells us to teach and, and baptize and then teach some more. When he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so we are to teach, people are to obey, and we're to teach some more. And we continue to obey. You see, true Christians are a changed people. Why? Because we are a chosen generation, a holy nation, the priesthood of God. We're a peculiar people. We're unique. We're different. Different from the world. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1-7, through For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of the time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of your life, many suffice us that have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, reveling, banqueting, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them into the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account of him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead, for this cause was the gospel preached also unto them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch and pray. 
Well, I want to encourage all of us that are Christians to realize that there needs to be changes in our lives if it's not in compliance with what God's Word says. That every one of us should let the beauty of Jesus be seen in you. I remember one time after vacation Bible school, we were out at the restaurant. And we walked up to a family that had been to our vacation Bible school. And a little girl looked at my wife and she said, Are you Jesus? Well, we kind of chuckled about that. But isn't that a question that could be asked of every single one of us? Shouldn't people be able to look at our life and see Jesus in us? We are to represent Him. And that's part of being the light of the world, that people see the changes in our life and we encourage others to make the changes in theirs. Are you Jesus? Are you Christ? Are they, are, do people see Him in your life? If not, maybe you need to make changes. If you're not a Christian, you can't let that beauty of Jesus be seen in you. You can pretend, but it's not the same. You have to obey the Gospel. And the Gospel tells us that we must be buried with our Lord in baptism. And in Romans chapter 6, we see a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus represented in the death, burial, and resurrection of ourselves when that old man of sin goes down into the water and we come up out of that water a new creature. So tonight, if you need to do that, we would encourage you to do that. We have water. We have clothing. We're ready to do it. And we want you to do it. And if you are a Christian and you're not living like you should, maybe that's something between you and God, and you need to take care of it with you and God. And maybe you have a problem with someone else. You need to take care of that problem with the other person. Maybe it's something that you've done or lived. and Maybe it's just simple encouragement that you need. We're here to help you in any way that we can. And we would encourage you to come and have a seat up here on the front row tonight. Well, together we stand and sing.